Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me this week, my friend across the pond, William. Thanks for joining me. Hello. It feels like I was only here moments ago. Doesn't time fly? No, hang on. Time fly. Oh, you see what I'm trying to do? It didn't work. Yeah, very punny. Very punny. I get it. Well, before we jump to that, which is the big news for the week, I do want to mention and plug a bonus episode for the Apple Insider podcast that came out just a couple days ago. On last week's episode, Wes and I discussed an article written by Jason Aten from Inc.com comparing Apple to Facebook, saying that its policies are bringing it more towards Facebook and not so much like Microsoft, that a lot of comparisons have been made recently. And so Jason Aten graciously agreed to come on the show and I got to interview him. And so that episode is already in the feed. It came out Wednesday of this week. I encourage you to check it out. It was fun talking to him. We eventually got to a Lord of the Rings analogy at the end of the episode, which I feel is uh, pretty apropos in all this policy talk. So just encourage you to check it out. It's right there in your podcast feed. Thanks again to Jason for coming on the show. So the big news this week, we finally have a date and an announcement on when the Apple event will be. So Apple had a press release this past week saying the event will be next week. As you listen to this, if you listen to it when it comes out, the event is on Tuesday, September 15th, and they've titled this event Time Flies, which I think that name is pretty obviously pointing to what device we will see, at least one, meaning the new Apple Watch Series 6 that have been long rumored. That's all we really have. The time flies. Uh, logo also. I don't know if you tried this, William, but it's like a little AR yes. playfulness thing. Did you do that? I did. It is beautiful. And actually, I'm so pleased. And I'm sure Apple's graphic designers are not lying there waiting for my judgment. But I thought WWDC's uh, graphics were astonishingly bad. And this is back to exquisitely beautiful. So I'm very, very pleased. There we go. Well, no, wait a minute. Wasn't, wasn't WWDC just a bunch of animojis? Yeah, or stickers slapped on the back of faux macbooks and things i'm sure it was cool it was hip it was down with the kids but yeah no yeah that's how they all talk yeah they're, they're i down think with so things. Yes. yeah exactly <laughs> that's funny you know i just as a side note you say stickers i am not a sticker person mm. i don't put stickers on my devices no. on my computers my ipads even my cases i don't put stickers on anything i assume you are the same way no stickers cannot abide it it's, i mean if you want stickers buy a windows laptop mm. which comes with stickers on it <laughs> that tell you what's in the device you've already bought it's just the pointlessness that's a, of it. it's got intel inside intel yeah. inside that's how you know yeah intel i remember intel didn't they used to do Macs? Ages ago. Oh, they still do a little bit, <laughs> but not for long. So let's talk about this event. So September 15th, again, the, the name is Time Flies. So it's pretty sure we're going to see the next version of the Apple Watch, the Series 6. And yeah. there's rumors about that. I'll put links to show notes, maybe oxygen blood sensor, maybe some other things about the Apple Watch. But the question is, typically, they're not going to do a whole event for a single device. So surely we're going to see other devices announced at this event. It's a virtual event, much like how they did with WWDC, kind of a pre-produced video. Many of the rumors still point to a new iPad and or iPad Air, maybe even a new design for that iPad Air looking more like an iPad Pro. And there's also the chance of the Air Tags, the wireless location-based tile-like tags that Apple is making, possible AirPods Studio, the over-the-ear headphones. But the big question is, will the iPhone 12 be announced at this event, or will we see a second event possibly in October? Now, it is not out of character for Apple to announce several models of iPhone in September, but the availability 
not be there until October. The original iPhone 10 was like this. I think it even all went all the way into November with like a shipping date then. So it's not out of the question, but I'm curious your thoughts. I personally do not think we're going to see the iPhone 12. You know, if they're titling the event Time Flies, it's clearly featuring the Apple Watch. They're not going to do a, a bait and switch and, and make the Apple Watch the headliner in the announcement, but then also make the iPhone announce that at the same time. I think we're going to see this event with the Apple Watch, possibly AirTags, and the new iPads. And then I believe we're going to see a second event in October that actually launches and announces the iPhone 12 models, the 5Gs and all that, and then maybe the first Silicon Mac. So they can kind of give that event those two big features and leave the Apple Watch and refreshed iPads in this one. What do you think? Oh, that is interesting. And what about uh, iPhone and Apple Silicon? iPhone is the tent pole, and the Apple Watch, apart from possibly its very first one, has always been the kind of uh, share the glory bit. It's got a second stage. Right. Uh, Apple Silicon is is pretty tent pole-y itself, though. I could see it, I suppose, because they've already done the announcement. This would be just what the first product right. is. I think you could be right there. Yeah, and there's been many years where Apple has done that dual fall event, one in September and one in October. You know, they try to get everything out before November, kind of the yeah. Christmas buying season and all that. So I imagine there'll be a second one. And this also goes to a a leaker that has went on Reddit, also claiming that a 14-inch silicon, a 14-inch Apple silicon-based MacBook Pro might be announced in this October event. Now, our friend John Prosser, who really was claiming that there were going to be product announcements this past Tuesday, September 8th, and he was incorrect there. There were no products announced, just the press release for the event next week on September 15th. But he said this new leaker is not legit. I believe that was the exact quote that he used on Twitter. So he is claiming that this leaker does not know what he's talking about. But that leaker was saying the Apple Silicon MacBook Pro uh, for October event, possibly. He might even say that this the 14-inch MacBook Pro might come at this September event. So unknown. This is kind of a new source, new leaker, not really any kind of track record to say whether it's <laughs> accurate or not. I, this is maybe a side point, but I don't like leaks. I mean, I know. I mean, we all rush to it. And we've all we all want to know what's happening, and, and yeah, it's yeah. great. And and so often it is accurate. But uh, there's a bit of me that thinks there are these people working away in Apple, trying really hard to create something, uh, and somebody with a Twitter account just blabs about it before it's ready. And, and I feel for them. I many times reject a lot of the supply chain photos that come out. I remember before the iPhone 11. I remember I think there were pictures of like that three camera setup on the iPhone Pro. And I would have friends say like, oh, man, look at what this camera's going to look like. I said, no, that's not it. No way it can look like that. That looks crazy. And then it comes out and I says, this is genius. This is the best phone ever. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I don't – I like to be surprised. But it's also – you know, maybe even just for buying reasons to kind of plan your purchases, it's good to uh, kind of know what's coming out. So don't buy point. an iPhone yeah. this week no. or don't buy an Apple Watch <laughs> this week either. I'll say that. Yeah. Those photographs, though, from the supply chain, they're like the ones of the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and things. Ever so slightly blurry, just uh, oddly framed. And it's the only shot they could have taken with their uh, you know, 24 roll film camera, their iPhone that could have taken thousands of shots in a second and all of this. Yeah, highly suspicious every time. But <laughs> yes. then they turn out to be right and I feel foolish. Okay. <laughs> so my question to you, William, is let's say you know this event and the October event, we see the iPhone 12. 
we see the Apple Watch Series 6. We see AirTags. Let's even say we see the AirPod Studio and a silicon-based MacBook Pro. William, what are you going to buy? That's what I want to know. Well, it depends when you send me your iPad Pro. Uh, that's going oh, to affect, right, yeah. obviously, oh, right, right. everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, in all seriousness, I've just I've splashed out on a ridiculously even bigger monitor. It's a, I've got a 49-inch <laughs> thing, and it's a, it's a thing of beauty. What? Well, 34 just wasn't enough. <laughs> and Wait, now is this another ultra-wide? Like, they're yeah. very, very wide... Yeah. Oh my goodness! And it is, it is you're, beautiful. You're enveloped by screen. <laughs> well, less than you'd think. There's a bit of me that would like it bigger, but oh yes, my anyway. goodness! Uh, and I got a very good price on it, but still, it was a substantial chunk of cash. Um, what I am aiming for is uh, the Apple Silicon version of the MacBook Pro, 13 or 14 inch oh. one. Uh, uh, that's my my next uh, lusted after product. But I say that to you right now. And right now, I can resist the Apple Watch Series 6. I can resist the iPhone 12. Ask me in a few days' time about the watch, and that might <laughs> change. I'm on a Series 4, which I love, but uh, okay. yeah, it's getting old now. See, that's that's the thing. I'm on a Series 3. Oh. I've been jamming on that for a while, kind of holding out. And so, like, at least with the Series 4, you have that new watch face shape, the larger screen, and you have access to those new yeah. watch faces like the Infograph, which I do not. So I am itching. I don't have always on, which I really want. So, you know. Really? Uh, so are you going to do it? Yeah. Are you going to make the jump? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm pretty much settled. I mean, I'm, right. I'm going to get it. it's itchy trigger finger when that announcement happens, <laughs> uh, because I've been I've been waiting a, a long time. You know, it's it's funny. I I actually reviewed the original first version Apple Watch for AppleInsider.com. That was kind of one of my first big reviews that I did. And so if you go to AppleInsider.com and search for the original Apple Watch review, that was me. That's I got my byline on that on that watch, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I loved that original. Uh, watch a mine until it broke on me and that that's another upsetting story but i remember at the time i um, regretted that it wasn't round because i'd seen all these gorgeous looking round android phones and i don't use android so i hadn't bought one but then uh i can't even remember what model it was there was some pretty well-known round smartwatch that would work enough with an iphone and i was reviewing it and it was so preposterously dreadful it would come up with an error message mm. that you had to answer okay or cancel to but the okay and cancel buttons were outside the circle of the screen. So you couldn't <laughs> see them to know where they were. And, uh, and that, that yeah. I saw that and I thought, yes, Apple is right. Yeah, so we will see. I will certainly be getting one of these when they come out, but stay tuned to Apple Insider next week. We're probably going to do another bonus episode on the day of the event, recapping everything that was announced. I'll do one of those kind of rapid fire, here's all the news. So be on the lookout for that. Tuesday, September 15th. The event is at 1 p.m. Eastern, and I'll try to get the show out shortly after that in the afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. This piece of news, while it's not anything huge, you had actually written about how Apple is refining Siri uh, to cut down on mistaken activations and such. And this is something where, you know, we've had listeners reach out wondering what in the world is Siri trying to do when they invoke the Hey Dingus command and how it is uh, just not very responsive. So I'd be curious, what is your experience with Siri? How accurate or reliable do you find it? And then, you know, maybe speak to some of these changes Apple might be uh, making. How long have you got? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd love to hear it. I'd love to well, hear it. Well, I'm, I'm tickled that this happened today uh, as we record this because yesterday or um, shot it over the weekend, edited it last night. I did. A, uh, I have a YouTube video series about Macs for writers and things, and I did one on Apple Music. And this week, um, I was using the home part. I was saying the magic words, but you know, there's like a 20 minute video there, and I must say the magic words, you know, a dozen times in it. And part, yeah, you know, if you watch this on YouTube, 58 keys, no space between them, uh, you're fine because I've cut out the the audio and just put a caption saying the magic words, so you know what's going on. Oh, for it. Yes. But every time I'd edit it and I'd change something, the home pod, my watch, my iPhone, my iPad would go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> playing and all this, and it just yes. drove me. And I, I didn't realize that I couldn't think of a way to just tell them all for the next hour or two, calm down. <laughs> but yeah, so I got a bit exasperated with it yesterday. Um, I, I actually, as much as I use it, as much as I, I love it, really, I, I do get it. I find it frustrating when I lift my watch and I say the magic words, and the iPhone in my back pocket responds. Uh, either instead or as well, which is really throwing me. And also, I have a home pod in my office, and, and its its hearing is bionic. I can be outside the house, and that's the device that listens to me. <laughs> so I set an alarm, um, and I can't hear the alarm when it plays. I walk into my office, and it's been running for an hour, and things like this. So... <laughs> Uh, Apple, you know, Apple has this great thing of uh, all the devices talk to each other yeah. and figure out which one. Well, it doesn't seem to be doing it. Have I switched something off somewhere? I, f I find it to be inconsistent at best. Like I've said before, I have a couple of HomePods, but two are in earshot of each other. You know, I would I have, I have no reference for estimating distances, so forgive my... <laughs> they might be like 30 feet away from each other. Uh, yeah, I would say about 30 feet away from each other. And it is amazing how I will... I'll be right next to the one in my kitchen, and I will almost whisper what I'm wanting it to do. And the one 30 feet away in the living room says... Huh? <laughs> say, That's not helpful, bro. Like, can we, can we do something here? And so, yeah, I I would love to see this mistaken activation thing yeah. be fixed. And and you know, I don't even know. You know, technology wise, I'm sure this is extremely difficult. So, those of you, if you are listening to the show and you're literally work on the Siri team at Apple, yeah. kudos to you. I'm sure this is an extremely difficult problem to solve. But yeah, how could you even, you know, saying "Hey, dingus," and you have a phone and an iPad and a HomePod all in close proximity of you, they're all going to have to at least activate for a moment. And even if they can talk to each other fast enough where they prioritize one over the other, it's still a little jarring because you're like, oh goodness, they're all listening to me right now. And I don't know if I should wait a moment, but if you wait too long, then Siri says, did you say something? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's this uh, temple of doom. Like, do I, <laughs> you got to time it perfectly uh, when you have that devices. So I don't know. I'll, I'm sure it will get better over time. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier thanks to Mint Mobile. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan. Yes, you heard that right. Unlimited data for just 30 bucks a month. Let that sink in for a second. Unlimited data, 30 bucks a month. How much is your soon-to-be-ex wireless provider charging you? I've been with a lot of the big guy wireless carriers, and let me tell you, an unlimited plan, you'd be paying $50, $60, maybe even $70 more than you could pay with Mint Mobile at just $30 a month for unlimited data. I've used Mint Mobile on my iPhone, and it is incredible. The data is super fast. They have great service. 
And you have to love the incredible pricing, especially with this new unlimited plan. So if you hate your phone bill and you're ready to cut ties with big wireless, Mint Mobile offers their premium unlimited plan for just 30 bucks a month. Because they're online only and they don't have to deal with the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings onto you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number and all your contacts. You can use it with whatever iPhone you have right now. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Break up with your big wireless provider and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for 30 bucks a month. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/appleinsider. That's mintmobile.com/appleinsider. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/appleinsider. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. Well, this business of the different devices hearing, that's like that's a problem for another day, I think. In this case, what they're looking at, you know, there's a new patent application that's been revealed, uh, examining how any one device can figure out whether you meant to call the magic words or whether just, as seems so often, you say something that's close enough, uh, it will switch on. And it will figure out, did you mean it? And the way, in the many, many ways it will try is, um, uh, it will use the camera. Are you looking at the device? Because uh, if you're not looking at it, if you are looking at the device, you're certainly, you meant it. If you're not, you might be serious. You might have been distracted after you said it, but it's a clue. And then um, are you moving? Is the device in a pocket? Is it an enclosed space? Uh, is there a light on the screen? If it's in a bag or a pocket or any enclosed space, you probably didn't mean to ask for it. Right. And then if it's down on a desk or something, which way up is it? If it's face down, you probably didn't. And it goes through all these iterations. I think there were like eight different scenarios that meant, no, you didn't want Siri to activate. And then if all of those didn't fail, it would activate. Yeah, that's pretty slick. Again, it's a hard problem to solve. So I do not uh, disparage any anyone on the Siri team. It's tough. No. And I will say with the shortcuts, you know, it is pretty amazing how well those do work. You know, when I have shortcuts set up and the name of the shortcut is the command for Siri. Again, if you didn't know that, I discovered that on a past show because you used to be able to program what words to say to activate a specific shortcut. Like there was literally a place in each shortcut settings where you would type in the words you want to say or you record it. And that's no longer the case. You can still invoke a shortcut via Siri and it literally is just whatever you title the shortcut. So there's no place to change that setting differently than the title. You just have to make sure that when you title your shortcut, it is something that you want to actually say (laughs) to invoke it, especially when it's like a home, smart home kind of shortcut or something like that. So we should probably update everyone on all the policy stuff that's been going on. Nothing big has changed, but there's statements being made all around. And first of all, I'd love to talk about Facebook. And again, in light of my interview with Jason Aiton and his comments on Facebook and how Apple might be looking like them, I think this quote is hilarious. Mark Zuckerberg actually commented this past week uh, talking about Apple. He says, quote, I certainly think that they have the unilateral control of what gets on the phones in terms of apps. So I don't think that there are questions that people should be looking into about the control of the app store and whether that is enabling as robust of a competitive dynamic, end quote. 
couple things that's a little hilarious about this. Saying he thinks they have unilateral control of what gets on the phones, like he doesn't have to think. Apple has unilateral control of what gets in the App Store. That's literally the definition of app approval processes, review, and what the App Store is. But Zuckerberg is questioning the amount of control Apple has over its own App Store. And I would pose to Mark Zuckerberg, if he was here on the podcast, do you not have unilateral control over the news feed on people's profiles and Facebook? I mean, they have control about what can go on and off. They have entire uh, filtering mechanisms and review processes that take things down off the newsfeed when it is too graphic or break some of their policies. And so they have unilateral control of their newsfeed. And, you know, they seem to kind of just be ignoring that and, and no one challenges them on that. So I just think that's kind of a hilarious comment from Mark Zuckerberg specifically. I might ask him something similar, but more along the lines of, do you have yet another security scandal that you're hoping will be covered up by getting attention on this topic instead, for example. Uh, that would that crossed my mind at the time. Yes. We haven't had a Facebook scandal in days. <laughs> in days. <laughs> he also says, Facebook alleged that Apple is practicing anti-competitive behavior, saying, quote, it is well known that mobile games are the most lucrative category of mobile apps worldwide. A significant portion of Apple's mobile OS revenue comes from purchases of games distributed directly through the App Store, yada, yada, which we know this. We've said it on the show before. Again, it's a little self-serving because Facebook is trying to launch its own game store that it would go on separate platforms. So it's a little bit of a, you know, ulterior motive behind this. But I don't know if I've ever asked you this, William. What was your opinion or what is your opinion on the sideloading of apps? Do you feel like that should be something that's available? Would you be worried about security or, or what do you think? Should Apple allow it? I would be incredibly concerned about security. I like the fact that with an iPhone, I can pick it up and I know it will work and I know it will do. Uh, what I need. Having, I, I just, I, considering I write for Apple Insider and I am a technology person and pretty much everybody I know thinks I'm a geek, um, I'm more interested in what I can do with the devices than I am with the devices themselves. What does it, what work does it enable me to do? So something that comes in and threatens my ability to actually do anything, something that, at the very least I have to think about whether or not it will, uh, I am actively disinterested. In it, and I'd rather just get on with stuff. I mean, if I wanted to do side loading, if I wanted to fiddle, uh, and I have in the past, uh, I would go for Windows and Android. If I enjoyed the computing side and the problem solving side, I'd go for those, but I don't. I enjoy the writing and the creating and the using. So that's why I go the Apple way and Apple's way is at least partly predicated on that security. So I'm happy. Are you the yeah. opposite? Are you more of a fiddler? You know, I used to be, uh, before I got my first iPhone, I was obviously using Android phones and I would root them and I would put on the cyanogen mods and I would do all that kind of stuff. And it was fun for a little bit, but like you, I'm at a place now where I just want myself to work. I want it to be secure and I don't want to have to worry about breaking something or, you know, rooting a device or, or jailbreaking a device, becoming dependent on a tool because of that jailbreaking and then a software update comes that breaks it all uh, because you're doing something that's outside of the boundaries of what Apple wants you to do. So I'm with you. And, and honestly, on the Mac, if I have the choice of buying an app in the Mac App Store or buying directly from developers, many times I will choose just to buy it directly in the App Store because I like the idea of knowing when I get a new Mac or when I have to replace a Mac, I can just go to the App Store and hit the little download icons for all the software that I have bought there. And I have all my serial keys for software and one password and, you know, different applications. Again, I've 
talked about Audio Hijack many times. The maker and founder, Paul Kafasas, has been on the show. I will 100% buy that outside the App Store because you have to. It's not available in the App Store. Its capabilities make it that it wouldn't be allowed in the App Store. And I'm glad I can get it outside of it. But for the most part, I will buy something within the App Store just for the ease of use. So all my subscriptions are in the iTunes or App Store, and I can manage those subscriptions directly from there, not on, on you know 100 different websites. So, so no, I, I am like you. Again, given the choice, I'll go to the App Store. If sideloading was available on the iPhone, I would still probably get a majority from the App Store. But if there was some app, like from Rogue Amoeba, that allowed me to do some audio things on my iPad that I wouldn't be able to do with an app inside the App Store, I might be tempted to, to sideload that as well. So. so you're not cured really at all, are you? No. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> I do not jailbreak my iPhones. No, I, I've jailbroken one or two. Uh, I, th- I remember, I think it was with the iPhone 4, there was actually some exploit where you could go to just a website link that uh, accessed some PDF and it would jailbreak your iPhone right there. You didn't even have to connect it to a computer or do anything with it. You just go to this link and it would jailbreak it. And I think Apple remedied that in a week or two after the phone came out but uh you know i tried it yeah i you know tried some some different apps i remember hot spotting was kind of a thing that every carrier would make you pay extra for it it wasn't included in plans and if you jailbroke your iphone you could get a hotspot app that kind of got around the system and i tried those you know and it was interesting but i don't desire to do that now for sure so just you went to a website and it jailbroke your phone you don't find that on a teeny bit terrifying <laughs> side at the time, you know, I didn't think about it. At the time, I was actually... You were young. Yeah, I was young. I was new to the iPhone, and I was like, there was nothing on it. You know, I didn't have anything on my iPhone that I was concerned about security-wise. Now, it's like, goodness, I have one password on there. I have all my documents connected to iCloud Drive and Dropbox. For sure, there's uh, incredible security implications now if someone can get into your phone. But back then, you know, what? I was just messaging people, you know. That's all you do. And Facebook back then. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Listen, when you use the restroom, you always close the door behind you, right? You don't want some random passerby looking in on you. So why would you let people look on where you go and what you do online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is literally like using the restroom and not closing the door. Did you know that your internet service provider, whether that's Frontier, Spectrum, or Comcast, they know every single website you visit. And what's worse is they can sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I personally use ExpressVPN on all my devices and it's super easy to use. I use it on my iPhone, my iPad, my Mac, You can even get it on some smart TVs. And it's super easy to use. You just open the app, press one button, and you're connected to ExpressVPN, knowing that you can browse the internet securely. ExpressVPN is rated the world's number one VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. I use it all the time when I'm traveling or even when I'm at home. And it's also super fast. So even if you're streaming HD video, you're not going to see any lag or hiccups. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider today. Use our link expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, V-P-N, 
dot com slash Apple Insider, and you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. That's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Another uh, quick update on Epic. Nothing has really changed from a legal standpoint, although Epic and Apple keep firing back at each other in statements. Apple has come across as pretty... Uh, what would the word be for it? What would the British word be for it, William? Not arrogant, not prideful. Uh, I'll, let me read the quote, and maybe you can think of a word that might describe this statement. But yeah. this is Apple now talking about Epic. Apple says, quote, Although Epic portrays itself as a modern corporate Robin Hood, in reality, it is a multi-billion dollar enterprise that simply wants to pay nothing for the tremendous value it derives from the App Store, end quote. And then <laughs> later, Apple also quoted, quote, Epic fired the first shot in this dispute, and its willful, brazen, and unlawful conduct cannot be left unchecked. Neither Mr. Sweeney's self-righteous and self-interested demands nor the scale of Epic's business can justify Epic's deliberate contractual breaches, its torturous conduct, or its unfair business practices. End quote. There is a British word for that. It's rude. That's what they are. Apple's being is rude. It? Very, very unfair and naughty. I actually think they have a good point. <laughs> so. They do. It's just a little interesting because it doesn't sound Apple-like. You know, of all the statements you hear Apple make, this seems less so that polished, clean corporate response and more of kind of like a, we're tired of this, and so we're just going to tell you what we really think kind of feel. Quite like that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they would ever have said, Epic Games is magical at litigation or something like that. But yes, okay, a non-Apple version, this does sound. I find I resent when I read what Epic is saying. Uh, Epic is saying that it's not about the money. Uh, it's oh, protecting users yeah. and all this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. How precisely how dumb am I supposed to be? Maybe if it wasn't about a game, I would be more concerned because I am, for who knows why, just just not a gamer at all. So to me, it's quite an interesting legal case and uh, the drama of it is interesting, but I've got no skin in the game because I, I don't have a Fortnite high score to protect <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It is hilarious how Epic is saying it's not about the money at all. And it's like, actually, this entire <laughs> legal battle is about money. So I find that to be a foolish uh, argument. But there is one piece of news that came out this past week, and that is the sign-in with Apple option. And if you don't know, this is something that came out, I believe, with iOS 13. But you can now have an option to sign in with Apple in certain apps. If you don't want to reveal your actual email address or use something like Google or Facebook to sign in, you can choose sign in with Apple, and then Apple creates an account for you on whatever service using a unique email address just for that service that you could then shut off later. And it's a great privacy tool, great security tool, would help cut down on some spam later if you decide to cancel a service. But Epic is claiming that sign-in with Apple will be disabled as soon as September 11th, which would be as you're listening to the podcast today on Friday, September 11th or after. And this is not something that Apple has stated. So unclear whether this means you'll no longer be able to create new accounts with sign-in with Apple or that if you had created an account with sign-in with Apple previously for Epic Games or Fortnite, that that login will no longer be accessible or available after the September 11th date. So a little unclear about that. They're saying people should change their email addresses on their accounts as soon as possible so they don't lose access to their account. But I have not seen a statement from Apple about this specifically. So curious piece of information there. 
Okay. Well, as we began to record today, William, you shared with me that you are running oh, Big Sur on your Mac. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you were saying, oh, stuff is moving around, audio stuff. And so tell me, tell our listeners, William, what have you done to your Mac to install the is it the public beta or the developer beta, and why? It's the That's developer beta. It's not my fault. Oh, my goodness. Right. It did not auto-update to the developer beta I tripped overnight. over, yeah, and yeah. I'm actually working on a feature for Apple Insider. This is justified. It's going to be a feature comparing the different versions. I mean, it's for work. Big so I always found with macOS, you, you know it's coming. You've got all these big things. You get it. And as it's installed, you think, I can't see any difference. And then you find a little bit and a little bit. And a couple of weeks later, if you go back to the old one, you're aghast at what you were missing. Uh, so it, usually it's quite a subtle thing. In this case, it isn't. It all looks different. It's all very um, bright and peppy kind of thing. So I'm doing a piece that compares specific things so you can see what's changed. And the idea was I would dual boot. I have a, a Mac Mini, 2018 Mac Mini with 128 gigabyte internal drive. It's what I could afford at the time. Uh, it's not been practical. It's constantly running out of space. Mm. So actually for about a year now, I've been booting it from an external SSD. It's only 500 gigabytes, but it makes a world of difference to me. And I figured keep Catalina on the external where I use all the time. Why not put Big Sur on the internal and then just swap between them? But that 128 is so little space that I could not install Big Sur on it. Uh, I was throwing off everything I could think of uh. that I didn't then wouldn't then need to do the review with it, and I could not get it down to enough clear space to put it on. So in the end, I admit in a moment of foolishness, I pushed the button and I put it on my external <laughs> drive. And so far, I, I've had some adventures, but mostly it's been quite good. Really? I don't regret it. Okay. I don't. So I have not put Big Sur on any of my devices, so I would love to hear what has been your most delightful or pleasant discoveries, maybe about the design, maybe about the functionality. I know Safari has a lot of changes. Mm. And what has been kind of a pain point or what has been an issue with it? Uh, pain point, I can't stand the new sounds. Ah. They haven't added, they've replaced sounds. And uh, I used to think what Alfred with a clipboard manager that makes a particular sound. If I want to copy a paragraph from this document and that document and this one and that Excel thing and then paste them all together somewhere, Alfred makes a little noise to tell you that you've successfully added each one. And I used to love that noise. And now it grates so much I hit the speaker and switch it off. You cannot, the, the original noise isn't available anymore. And I know it's a silly thing, but the sounds drive me, they're, they're, I think they're quite childish sounding sound so that bothers me and also i have a problem with the menu bar uh, you know the way the menu bar now blends in with your background right, that's yes. nice but as i look at it right now there are icons i know are there that i can't see um i i have the in fact the reason i told you about this was that normally uh, i use airpods uh, i connect my airpods by clicking on the bluetooth button in the menu bar I can't see the Bluetooth button in the menu bar at the moment, <laughs> so I have to go through our system preferences. That might be because I'm using Bartender 3, which um, as yet is not updated for Big Sur. It's in beta and okay. I'm doubtful it's coming, but I think something hinky is going on with hiding stuff there. So that's been an issue. But other than that, okay. 
Safari is the big change. I did a video uh, for myself so I could time it. Uh, I booted back into Catalina, went to, I think it was the New York Times site, Apple Insider, loaded up a few websites, then came back to Big Sur and did And I haven't worked out the timings yet. And I don't really want to go into specifics of timings because everybody's machine is different. Everybody's interconnection is different. But for me on the same machine where the only difference was the uh, operating system, the Big Sur one, is much faster and it feels faster still it feels really responsive okay. when you think of a site go and it's there and uh, perhaps you have a fast internet connection i don't think mine's terrible but it's not brilliant and i'm noticing the difference very very visibly uh so yes safari is reason enough to upgrade okay just for that i want the translation thing that's coming but i'm in the uk and that's not going to be available here but i, I i'm i'm reading le monde quite a lot recently and it would be nice to be able to cheat and just push a button and have the whole thing change into yeah. english gotcha how is mail do you use the macOS mail app in big sur yes i do um I try other things, but I always come back to it. Uh, I, when I get a notification, I have a message that's uh, come in. It used to have the option of reply or delete, and quite often I just hit delete before I'd even look at it. Now that notification appears, and I have to click a button, and delete is in a drop-down menu. So it's slightly less convenient than it was. Huh. And I find uh, in the app itself, I find it sometimes confusing when you're searching for something and clicking in the right place. The search box is just a magnifying glass that expands out when you click on it. And I'm so used to clicking next to it that I'm doing other yeah. things instead. And actually, I'm reminded of there over the finder as well. I think it's slightly hard to tell. If you have one window with several tabs open, uh, I think it, if you have two tabs open, it's hard to know which one is the active one. They're that similar. Aside from the translucency of maybe the menu bar, do you like the design of the new apps and the OS in general? Yeah, very much so. I know I've sounded very negative here because you're the first person to ask me. It's my chance to blast about this. No, yeah, please do. But yeah, I'm delighted. With it. In fact, every time I do boot back into Catalina, Catalina feels old and sluggish <laughs> for it. There's just something yeah. bright uh, about it. I'm thinking the word for the icons in the dock, it's like they're candy. And I'm a British man <laughs> saying candy because in Britain we'd call them sweets and they don't feel like British sweets. They look like American candies I've had. There's just something, you know, they're supposed to look iOS uh, 14. Like, well, they are, but with a kind of extra 3D effect. And there's something in that that reminds me of really nice mint candies I used to get in the States. That's hilarious. Somewhere. Yeah, and you know, Apple, of all its abilities, its greatest ability might be to when it has a new thing to make the thing that just came out a year ago feel ancient, yes. old, and decrepit. I don't know how they do it, but they manage it every time. Yeah. Hardware and software, yeah. yeah. You're saying this ahead of the Apple uh, Watch Series 6 launch, <laughs> which at this minute I'm resisting, and I know, I know I'll regret yeah. that. Well, I, I realized just I was looking at the dock, I said that to you. I found several times now I've launched a QuickTime player instead of Safari. They're right next to each other, and the icons are just similar enough that I keep hitting the wrong one, and I'm surprised that. Have you, you've heard that from others? I've heard that's a big change. Is that, you know All the icons just are, are very different. Some people like them, some people don't. How is your visual like ability to discern which icon is which and your thoughts on, that, on those designs? I am having to relearn. Uh, the male one looks a bit dull, really. <laughs> uh, I use Fantastical, and it's now very similar to the old calendar icon so I, I realized this morning actually i wasn't sure if i'd launched fantastical 
or the uh, uh, the proper uh, first per first party one. Um, so there's some similarity, but you know, I suppose there's always something, isn't it? I can't remember what I used to mix up. Uh, uh, Slack and photos I used to forever get mixed up in the old way, and now they're clearly different. So uh, we're just concluding that it's me rather than Apple's design, yeah. aren't we? Okay. Your design is important, especially just being able to visually click on something and discern what it is at a glance. You know, that's part of the deal because uh, that's affects the usefulness of a thing, yeah. you know, software-wise or hardware-wise. So, well, that's interesting. I would love to hear about your your tales of being on that beta over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, the actual release will be coming pretty soon. Yes. You know, I don't know if this, again, we didn't talk about it, but at the Time Flies event next week on September 15th, maybe they'll even announce when Big Sur and iOS 14 would be coming. I imagine... They'll announce when watchOS yeah. 7 would be coming. And so, uh, you know, they'll probably mention the other ones too. So we'll see. Again, stay tuned to appleinsider.com next week as all the news breaks. Look for a special episode coming on Tuesday as I recap the event and all the announcements that happened that day. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That'll help us rise the ranks of the technology shows and be discovered by more technology lovers like you. You can tweet at William or I or email us. All those links are in the show notes. We'd love to interact with you, answer your questions on the show and all that. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time.